Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought we'd do team challenge and players cupish stuff first. What do you do? You want to talk about? I right, we could talk about when we get there. Uh, let's just jump right in. All right. Um, all right. We're jumping right in. Welcome to the Trash Lance. Me, Brent Halliburton, here as always with Attendance is 100%. I always say that in terms of five-star review updates. I always say that too. We have no new reviews. If you leave us a review, we will read it on the pod and discuss it. It's your way to become famous. Speaking of famous, I know I tantalized you guys with amazing tidbits last week. I have two new tidbits thanks to this random email that I get. We were we were 170th in the Apple Podcast Games for the United States of America this week. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's better than uh, that. That's a bigger country than Canada. Also, yeah. we are 88th on Spotify Taiwan's Games Channel. So, uh, whoever our <laughs> Taiwanese listeners are, we salute you. Keep it up. Yeah, go Taiwan. I don't know if that's one. I mean, I feel like it must be two or three. Yeah, hey, I, I have some. I did. I did that a big Pokemon event out in Taiwan a few years ago. I'm dying to go back to Taipei. <clears throat> you went to Taiwan for yeah. oh was you that one that? of the was that one of the ones that Sam went to as well? No, I did. It wasn't a. It was. It wasn't an official. It wasn't a card game event exactly. It was like a. It was like around the time because it was kind of a big deal. Pokemon only has been printed in Mandarin really not very long. So this would have been twenty. It was December of twenty sixteen, um, and I think it was really. I think that year, because I remember too at the time when I was doing the six prizes coaching, I, I had someone from Russia and they had like also just officially started getting the product printed um, for similar reasons, just just incredible like black market trade ended up being that there was never, uh, no, they just didn't, Pokemon or their distributors never would deal in the country. Um, but anyways, it was just kind of like a big photo op more than anything. I, I like ran a 10K. I was visiting my sister and my sister studied abroad there. Um, uh, okay. But it was really, it was a, a good, a good experience. It was a lot of fun. Nice, that's cool. I assume you just ate your way across the country. Oh yeah, oh yeah, every day. The, the cool thing about Taiwan, Taiwan, Taipei, or, is, or Taipei specifically, is known for like these night markets, which mm-hmm. is just these open air vendors that have lots of cool like gifts and stuff, but mostly for the street food. It's awesome, awesome stuff, except for. The, there's a stinky fish or no stinky tofu i don't really know yeah, how to, yeah. to describe it but it's it just smells it tastes fine really but it is a terrible smell <laughs> my my fiance kelly is half half taiwanese and so her mom is from taiwan and so they went pretty like pretty much right after we were dating for a couple of months and then she went on a trip to to taiwan and hong kong and she loved it so hoping sometime in the future with her i will be able to go yeah that'd be awesome i was thinking i'm remembering now too maybe a little too political for the podcast but every time pokemon officially recognizes taiwan whereas like blizzard right. esports and stuff <laughs> they're always chinese taipei so right. <laughs> go pokemon i suppose yeah. <laughs> That's funny. all right i also took a note i realized after the last pod that it was worth mentioning in case you somehow found your way to the pod and were unaware of it, we all are fairly active on Twitter. And if you're not following us on Twitter, you probably should. Mike is at Mike Fouché, F-O-U-C-H-E-T. Britt is at B Pybus, B-P-Y-B-A-S. And I am at B Halliburton. 
uh, may the source of them all, H-A-L-L-I-B-U-R-T-O-N. You should follow us on Twitter. I tweet about the pod every week. I don't know how anyone else finds the pod, but <laughs> but God forbid you somehow were unaware that there was just a constant wave of tweets on Twitter. That's a thing. I thought it was funny in the agenda, like, how do we tell people? And I, it just occurred to me, like, well, it's pretty easy. All of the handles are our names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it to... is, it's not rocket science to find us on Twitter. If you haven't looked for us on Twitter, you should. That's the thing. Uh, we all have uh, amazing tweets. Uh, guys, I saw somebody mention on Twitter a question. I can't remember who this is, and this should have been the on-fire uh, tweet of the week. But uh, somebody said, how many hit points would Waylord VMAX have? And I was like, that's a good question. I should ask Mike and Britt about the power creep. Mm. I mean, I, I think the, the situation is actually that the power creep has crept too much up to Whaler that I don't think it would be too significant. Like, we're, you know, like we're, how, how much more could it really be is what I'm saying. And like, you know, Whaler is like never that good. And so historically, you know, Whaler DX, 200 HP, never heard of, too big, but now, you know, everything has 300, 310. So I would think it would maybe just have a little more than the current VMAXs. Or at least that's like the novelty of the other Waylord cards is that at least it's just like, it's, it's funny because it's a it's a one prizer that has a ton of HP. Like the Frostmoth deck is pretty silly, even, even though it doesn't see a whole lot of play. So that would be my guess. I would say I, would, I wouldn't expect more than 400. Uh, I mean, just, yeah, just remember it's Waylord V and then it, it evolves to V Max. So I assume the V is very big and then the V Max is even bigger. Well, so we already have Waylord V. Waylord V has 280. I was just looking that up. So, yeah. And then I was thinking like the last big Waylord card was that of the tag team, right? The Waylord Magikarp. That had 300 HP in comparison. Like the average tag team had like 250, right? Most of them were like 240 or 270. So, if you think about it that way, yeah, prob- definitely not more than 400, maybe like 380, 390. I, 390 feels like a weird number, but I could see it. So maybe in that range, 380 to 400 would be my guess. Yeah, I, I, I was ready to draw the line at 400. 400 was my like uh, uh, like gut reaction. But yeah. I like I like how I might kind of tried to bring science of card design <laughs> to the, uh, the conversation. That turned out to be better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> guys what why don't we talk about team challenge for a minute and uh just talk about where we are with team challenge uh, mike congratulations people seem incredibly intimidated by maplewood <laughs> hobby yeah i saw wambolt's tweet after our our match it was so i said last week it was really close right we played against the 380ps they had a sweat in but we pulled it out narrowly but yeah this week it was not really very close we won we won 5-0, I guess 6-0 technically. So I brought Urshifu, Justin brought Pikaram again, Will brought ADP again, and Kettler brought Mad Party. We had <laughs> Kettler sit out with the Mad Party. Our opponents brought an Urshifu that they sat out. So the three decks that they did bring were Ternatus, Tempozard, and ADP. Yeah. So Eternatus, Tempozard, EDP versus our Urshifu, Pika, and ADP. So yeah, my, my games, I beat, I beat the Eternatus first set, was really, really straightforward. And then I played Wamble in the second round, and he was playing the Tempozard. He didn't run Mew. Our first game was super, super close. Um, not sure if he misplayed at the end. I felt like he did. 
but I don't know. Maybe he couldn't have done something else. But it was still super, super close game. He almost took all six prizes in one turn. Basically, he like damaged two V Maxes very, very heavily. One of them was only a goon ping away from dying, but I was able to 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 pull it out narrowly before losing. And then yeah, Justin and Will also two owed. Well, actually, I think we also didn't drop any individual game. I think we two owed six matches. So felt pretty easy, but you know, we, we ran well. We had there was no bad matchups. So yeah, so so went 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 really well. So so I, I have a comment and then I have a question for you guys. So my, my comment is I, I get the feet like as I like watch the reactions to Maplewood just stomping Lambolt. I felt like maybe feel, people feel like because there's more games and there's more players and the decks are like changing week to week, people feel like maybe there's there might be like less RNG as we drive to the final outcome of the team challenge. Agree or disagree? Like like the, it, it almost feels to me like there's an air of inevitability about Maplewood's uh, uh, victory because they're like that you play so many games per round and. You know, Maplewood just has good enough players and good enough decks that like things can't go. It's hard for things to go off the rails to cause Maplewood to lose. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some validity to that. But I mean, if you believe that, then you would have thought that all of those other teams that we talked about last week that got knocked out would probably still be in and they're not. So so, uh, so my next question is, is this are, are we going to recreate the NBA for the next team challenge? It's just be super teams. <laughs> I think that would be like a much better idea if they didn't tie these teams to stores and they kind of just allowed people to pick their own teams. You wouldn't run into the issues of people not submitting their lists and and all that jazz. At least for the summer one, they're not changing anything for sure. Like they're already running the qualifiers for them. So maybe organizers will try to kind of do what Drew did, which is like, you know, message... 10 players that he is friendly with and and get them to play in their qualifiers and see how it shakes out. I mean, like there was more than just us four people playing in, in our qualifiers. It just so happened that, you know, it just so happened that of the four qualifiers with the, you know, eight to 10 people that were playing in each one, the four of us won. But uh, yeah, I don't think that's happening for the summer one, but I like that idea. I think it would be much. I I just wonder if you could have like the LeBron James version of that, where, where like, Britt says, okay, I'm going to call Dustin and I'm going to call Colin and they're going to go to my local league this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be super fun. I mean, I think that's just like Mikey's point of that they, they just need, they need to do that because it just feels a little shady to try to coordinate that now. Like it just seems like you would have to just like you either get really lucky or do something like have a, a really hush hush one somehow you just roll it you don't announce it don't say anything about it and hope nobody just like is signing signing up at, for them at random based on what's listed on rk9 yeah but yeah i would, I've, similarly like i am interested just like i've been saying like it's a really fun format but i don't know i'm not super interested in just qualifying for a random store again and maybe i can like maybe just get lucky hopefully just like i don't know play in one where just after someone I know like wins one and then I'll just play in the rest of those and just hope to get lucky, right. something like that. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I'm not even planning on doing the summer one. Like me, actually me and Will both said that we're, we're probably not going to just for me, it's like, it's nicer out the world's opening up a little bit. I'm moving. So I'm going to be busy with that. And I just, I don't think I'll be able to commit like 
two to three hours every Saturday or Sunday to do it. But maybe if they change stuff up and they still are doing this thing, my guess is that we talked a little bit about like the online events and last week and if they're going to stick around. My guess is something like this would not stick around, but we'll see, I guess. <laughs> I mean, this always felt like a thing they were trying to kind of do for to do something for the stores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is so ironic, like, because I think it's like it. I get that it's for the stores, but it, it's also a lot of work for the store organizers. Like all of the match scheduling is on the TO and not the players. So to some extent, you're creating work for very little gain, especially at this point when there's only four people benefiting from, you know, benefiting from that work. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think we've talked about that before. Just like it's a whole, a whole lot of work for, for, and Pokemon isn't doing any of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think similarly, like I, I was, those are basically my exact thoughts that I just was going to sit out this next one, mostly just for these reasons, just unless I just happen to stumble into like a good group, and which would, which would be great. Like maybe I'll just play in the Yeti ones or something like just like what, like a play in a local where just like the people who are trying to qualify are like going to be competent, like overall, just like a store that's like has a good scene in general. Like even if you don't necessarily know all the players, it's just a place where like, like an actual local game store, I guess is what I'm trying to describe. They're just kind of rare mm-hmm. to have those environments. Now we just, so many players just kind of show up for events. Right. I, I mean, that's, I, I know, I mean, I, I've always told people like, we were never big on attending our local league because I was always like, we, like, kind of, kind of to your point, Mike. Like, we were never like, you know what, we, we, we don't have anything to do this Saturday, so what we should do is play Pokemon. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what we did all the other Saturdays. This is, you know, if we don't have a Saturday, we're busy. We're definitely not going to do that. <laughs> maybe that's wrong though. I'm just thinking because I started I, when I first started playing, like I was just a league goer. It was my like saturday morning social activity when i was towards it towards the end of high school i'm like just thinking about it like that's maybe when the game was like at its best for me personally or something it's just no stress you you know just pure fun or something and so maybe that's the right approach maybe getting competitive is where things all just start to go awry you know know what just the way you're describing it it's just like why would i play the game for fun when i play it seriously five (laughs) days a week so i can compete yeah well, and you know may, maybe our perspective is going to change i mean i you know i recognize at some point they're gonna they're gonna tell me if liam's a master now or if he like you know if, if they, his last two years as a senior just went up in smoke or if like you know we're gonna do something but like i yeah obviously we were on the grind like so relatively early in like liam's time playing pokemon i wonder how we'll downshift although having mike move away from me is probably not that good <laughs> All right, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, Players Cup three for a second. Mike, congratulations for getting heads on crushing hammers this weekend. <laughs> Thank you much. <laughs> I would say I will say my my hammer flips in that set were insane, but doesn't really matter too much. And my flips, my other games were about average. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that was about the only good thing you could really say about that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did make it did make the first game pretty close though. Yeah, I almost yeah. I almost got there. I feel I think like the the only play like really worth noting in that whole set was when I tag bolted in the first game and I took out the Jirachi instead of like another Rowlet, and I saw. I don't remember if like the chat was like 
saying that was a bad play or anything, but 100% the right play. Like, they didn't do anything the turn before. So, like, if I tag bolt KO Jirachi and they don't have Rosa in their hand, I can actually, like, have a good shot at winning the game. They had Rosa, so and <laughs> but, like... I don't know. That that that's 100% the right play. Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, taking away the opportunity for them to get an awesome card, which is what Stellar Wish does every turn, basically, is like always seems yeah. like a pretty good thing in that situation, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. What other stuff should you say about the grind to the top four? So I we know you played you played out the rest of the tournament this past weekend, and we won't, when will we see that televised? Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah, two weeks from All now, right. Global Finals. So we, um, we will not pepper you with questions, although we assume that you're the world champion of Pokemon. <laughs> but tell us, what else should what else uh, it was worth saying that you haven't had the chance to say from your games two weeks ago? Sure. So so I started 5-0, right, and I was in the winner's bracket, and I didn't get to record my games, which is unfortunate. And so the only game you saw was me playing from Kevin's side of the decision by game. But my other two matches that weekend were were really good games. So it's unfortunate that y'all didn't get to see that. So my first match was against Will Crawford with the Zashi and Luke medal, which went to three games. The, the nothing, nothing too crazy happened in the set. The one game that I lost, he, so his list was kind of like a hybrid of the standard, like for research list. And the like the more recent list with the with the heavier tag call Guzmahala focus. So it was kind of like in between. He only ran two research, etc. So Marnie is super strong against a list like that. But they do play the two research. So like game two, I just remember like I Martin him, he hit his one research. And then like two turns later, I Martin him again and he hit his second research. And I was like, well, all right. And so he kind of just had the stuff, he just drew the stuff that he needed, which is not likely in the matchup. And so games one and three, like I marnied him and he didn't draw anything. And then I was able to, you know, do my thing, set up Bolton's to to one shot stuff and, and whatnot. So that was the first game. Then I lost to Kevin. And then winning the first game, I think I t- we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Winning that first game was huge because it just meant I had to win one of the next two games. So I lost to Kevin with Decidueye. And then I had the one more winning in. Right, you're but in the against, uh, finals, right? Right, right, yep. And so I played against Christian Chase and the Picaram Mirror lists were pretty close. I think he had Tag Switch over the Big Charm and I think that might've been the only difference. And Tag Switch is better than Big Charm by a little bit. It's not a huge difference, but it's a little bit better. But we played three super close games. The one insight that I think I had while playing Christian in the Picaram Mirror is this. So... The conventional wisdom is that you want to try to take two tag team knockouts. So, you know, you try to boss an early Picaram, try and two-shot that. Maybe you one-shot a Raichu later or two-shot a Raichu later. But really, you want to avoid killing Bolton, killing a tag team, going down to one prize, and then having to take out something else as well. Obviously, that's just more attacks and more damage that you have to do. But you also, going down to one prize, you're susceptible to stamp, paralyze, that type of stuff. So the issue with that strategy, though, is that they will force you to, they real, both players are really trying to force the opponent to knock out a Bolton. So even if you like boss and hit a Picaram, they might just switch back into Bolton and electrify again or Bolt Storm. Like they're going to do everything in their power to make you knock out a Bolton. So it requires like a lot of, it requires a lot of bosses to avoid that to avoid having to KO Bolton. So in our third game, what I ended up doing was 
not ignoring the bullpen, just knocking it out. And then instead of chasing down tag teams, I tried to chase down like two Dedenes. So you do end up going down to two prizes, but that's a little bit easier to draw out of. Like radars are live then, you just get an extra card in general. And so I think that strategy, I haven't really played the Picaram Mirror too much since that set, but I think that might be like the generally better way to go. The other thing is like killing their first bulletin kind of takes away their Oko potential with that bulletin. So I don't know. So it's just kind of an insight that I had like later on in in that set. And if I end up playing more Picaram, which seems questionable at the moment, it's a, it's definitely a line that I would want to explore more. Yeah, so so I felt like I felt like based on your tweets this weekend, we're gonna have the working assumption that you played Rapid Strike Urshifu this weekend. Are, are we al- are you allowed to talk about that? I mean, I will talk extensively about the deck, but I will neither confirm nor deny that I played it this past weekend. Fair, fair, fair enough. All right, so yeah, so uh, I think we're gonna have the working assumption that you have gotten in a lot of reps with Rapid Strike Urshifu. You you were tweeting about how you think it's the best deck in the format. I thought that that what we should try to do for this pod is really like spend a lot of time talking about the new best deck in the format, Rapid Strike Urshifu. Yeah. Um, big scheme of things, I feel like there's two kind of approaches people have taken. There's the list that you posted over the weekend, which is the like non-Chinchino. And then there's the Pedro Torres testing group. Uh, a tour direct live list. And I felt like when you said that your, your endorsement of how it's obvious Urshifu is incredibly good made me feel like Tord might've played that list. And the, the way Pedro was talking about it, it felt like his whole testing group was on that. So I feel like there was a lot of, we got to kind of see, we'll get to in two weeks, see just how much these dominate the format, but you know, we can meta manipulate as, as a pod and tell people this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and kind of break down these two different approaches and try to, to crack the code. Does that sound fair, guys? Let's do it. All right. So, Mike, do you have any strong opinions on, on where we start? Or do you want me to just start, like, talking about the differences or something like that? Well, the only thing I'll say is that, like, the, the base list that I think has gotten super popular with the Jirachi build is definitely not mine. I think, I don't know who kind of had the original list, but I feel like Rahul kind of had the first like major finish with, with this build. And so all the lists that are doing well now are not exact copies, but I think take a lot of inspiration from that list. And it's kind of like gotten refined since then. And that's certainly where I started when I was testing it as well. So I'll just start with that, but then, yeah, you can talk about the differences. Why don't we start by talking about your list versus, like, so I, I guess the list that I think of when I think of the, like, Forgerachi list, would you say Gabriel Fernandez, who came in second at the Limitless tournament, is, is that, like, a good representative example? Probably. That just happened, like, the one that just happened the other yeah. day. Let's see. That's pretty representative. Yeah, I think the the Mimikyu has become more common in the past four or five days, but wasn't super common before that. But yeah, I think this is pretty representative. All right. So you play you played you play essentially the exact same Pokemon line. You play an extra Marnie, but he's playing the Phoebe. Yep. So the the one difference in the Pokemon line is that I do not have Mewtwo. So Mewtwo has been in 
the vast majority of lists. And it's something that I think is a pretty nice card to have. But if you're not playing the tech supporters like Phoebe or Cheryl, I just don't think it's really worth playing. Like it has synergy with scoop up net, but you pl- you're playing for research. You're playing a bunch of minors. You're playing the three boss and a great catcher. So like it's nice, but it's not super necessary. So yeah, um, the Mewtwo is part of like the Phoebe Cheryl package, right? Right, right, right. right. So yeah, so I, I don't have that because I don't have the tech supporters. Right, right. No, so I, I think the big difference is they play this like really consistent item list of like four quick balls, four pokey comps, four scoop ups, four switches, two air balloons, two dojos. You play uh, a little more diverse package where you've got mm-hmm. a great catcher, an escape rope, a stamp a karate belt. How do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a lot, it's a lot of one of little things that I think are useful in different situations. I think if I play, start playing in these best of one tournaments more, I might make it a little more straightforward. The, I, I, I do like one escape rope and what, like, so, so if you're playing karate belt, I don't think you can play two air balloon. So that was kind of why I switched to one escape rope, one air balloon, because the like the air balloons generally want to go on the Urshifus. And so if you play karate belt, that usually means you want to put a karate belt on an Urshifu. So you just kind of go a split there, but you still need the extra switching. So you play uh, the escape rope instead. Britt, if I can just jump in really quickly, yeah. uh, how much how much have you played this Rapid Striker Shifu? Not a whole lot of the Jirachi build. I know, I guess two weeks ago, I voiced my initial concerns, and I like that list was certainly missing just a couple of the, the tech Pokemon that I do really think clearly do flesh it out and do answer <clears throat> these more problematic problematic matchups. And like with the Phoebe coming in the list now too, you've got. The Phoebe Mewtwo package seems really good. LMZ is not, you know, probably can't deal with that. But I haven't played too much, too much more of it since. And kind of, you know, still kind of have the thoughts that I express. Like sometimes I just didn't know what to do, like option wise. But, you know, obviously just wrong at this point. And I'm just, that's I was, I, that's why I was looking forward to part of this episode. So I could just like start to listen and figure it out. But I don't think I was too far off. The main thing was just like the Mimikyu and the Giratina pretty big i didn't have those initially but i I have been playing with the chinchino build since the the youtube video the limitless youtube video that went up on saturday i think just because you know i just reading between the lines it just sounded like okay he's posting this video i bet that's what Tord played you know or at least something like it perhaps and so i was playing with it quite a bit i don't don't think i've quite figured it out but it does feel like i can get I get sort of how it works in comparison to the other list. I think just obviously with Chinchino, you're you have a little more of these like slower options with Cheryl and things like that. But I just don't know if I'm sequencing right in the early game. It's kind of just like not as linear, I guess, to set up because like with Jirachi, it's just kind of easy like get the cards you need or get Jirachi out of the active if you already have the cards that you need. Whereas here, it's just like, do I get you know? How many Chinchino do I want out early? Should I be pri- prioritizing a Minchino here? Do, or do I want like another of the Vs, the, the basics on my bench and so on? It's yeah, really good. A, I, I asked just because I, I think I did the exact same thing you did. I've only played with the, the Chinchino list. And uh, I think what Mike just said kind of spoke to me. And that like there's definitely been moments where I drew the karate belt early. And I was like, well, I'm just going to put it on this Urshifu. And then, and then I have all these mm-hmm. problems switching because I can't find a bird keeper. Yeah. So, so the idea of like slapping an, an escape rope or a switch effect in there was definitely something I felt like I saw in my testing. I was like, 
just sometimes you have like you're just a little clunked up and you're like we gotta yeah. get the thing out of the active yo yeah definitely a lot of the times i just feel like the net just like ended up just being just useless just only for that just awkward pivoting effect and weren't actually sort of like you know necessary cards that would have just been oh, maybe perhaps better just like as you say as some escape ropes or something like that yeah, it. I didn't even realize when I first saw the Chinchino list that it didn't run any switch. <laughs> like it's yeah, just it's, it's all the, just like bird keepers and air balloons, and they're like, you're gonna get an air balloon on something, you're gonna play a bird keeper, and then it'll be fine. And like, yeah. it's like that wasn't always exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> or 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 you're gonna air balloon and then you play a scoop up. Kind of to your point, like you you get you have to like have a plan to find a scoop up. And I was like, well, you know, ha having a if item based switch effect seems like it might be nice because it definitely felt a little bit lean to me from time to time yeah yeah i felt that way like in the like maybe in comparison with like other decks like orbital is probably the best one i don't i don't know if anyone really considers talks about flygon as being a le legitimate deck anymore but that's a deck that plays lots and lots of bird keepers but it just like works a little bit better because of just Kind of the, all the other things that you're doing you've got the robo substitutes you're drawing a snorlax every turn so it's just like easier and the, the switching is sort of equally conducive to either deck strategy but like orbital just doesn't need to attack orbital has all these kind of like other stally options to it and so you have like more time to find the switching cards whereas like urshifu is far more proactive and you're you know you need to switch when you in the tempo whereas sometimes with orbital you're just like you only get one effect off in a turn, let's say, and you don't you don't overextend to get the second one because you know your deck has other things that it wants to do. It doesn't win by doing just the spread. It does it by doing the spread strategically, whereas Urshifu just like needs to get in there punching hard each and every turn pretty fast. If it, especially against like in the ADP matchup, you have to start hitting hard fast in that matchup to keep up. Otherwise, it's just kind of the the VMAX game that we always describe where. You know, it's just a, like a function is like if they all, ultimate rate you, you lose next game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So so long story short, the, dig the escape rope. How how did how did the great catcher and the stamp work out for you in uh, testing, Mike? So great catcher is actually in most of other people's lists as well. I guess it's not in this limitless second place list, but I think that's fairly common. It is something though that I really questioned and still continue to question. I think. If you didn't play Great Catcher, you'd either want to play Mewtwo or a fourth boss. I do think you want like that extra gusting option. Not always convinced that Great Catcher is the best thing, but it does give you the option of like, you know, Juniper and and get it. it it's mostly useful in the tag team matchups to like either pull up Reshizard or a Mewtwo. And obviously Dedenne is like a, a prime target, but yeah, it's pretty good. But you could easily swap it with another gusting option. The reset stamp I think is great. You don't use it every game, but I think just having that option is really nice in this format i've seen adpz's really start to play a lot of resets like one reset stamp and it's been game winning at different times so yeah i think i think reset stamp makes a makes a lot of sense and i like it a lot the karate belt i kind of go back and forth on i think it gives you some pretty good options but in a list like this it's it's a little bit harder to pull off in this list i think it's much easier to pull off in the chinchino list 
that seems about right to me. Are there other things that we should talk about in terms of comparing your list to like the limitless list? Well, one of the things, the main thing I think that's worth addressing, I think between them is like where, where, if at all, do the matchups differ? Cause that's just clearly the deciding factor on why you would choose one over the other. And my initial reaction is I would think that the Jirachi very well, no, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I would think the Jirachi version just strikes me as being better in the mirror because it's faster. It doesn't, it, it's not, you know, it can play a researching finish its turn, which the other deck is just doesn't seem like it, it can. And I guess I've played it so I can speak on it, but it, it's not quite as capable as coming out of the gates quite as fast. I mean, you can certainly like Urshifu. That's I guess part of why it's so good as it is minimal. Like if you, all you need is the bird keeper on your first turn or on your second turn in an energy and after evolving and you've kind of done what you needed to, at least in the early game, but like with Jirachi and nets and all that, it just comes out swinging more consistently, I would think, but otherwise nothing really strikes me as being different. Both, I guess, in theory, aren't great against this Mewtwo deck, these Mewtwo decks that are kind of floating around as counters to Urshifu, but otherwise, it seems about the same to me. Yeah, I've been trying to figure that out, too. I've played, I've only played, like, a couple, I don't know, maybe, like, 10 games with the Chinchino list. I'm not sure about the Mirror yet. I think you can make an argument both ways. Like, I like your argument about the Jirachi one being more aggressive on the flip side, if the game goes a little bit longer, then the Chinchino list has Cheryl, which most of the Jirachi lists don't have. And Cheryl is very good in the mirror because it's often that, you know, two Urshifus will take 150 damage and then you shallow that off and it's really hard for the other deck to keep up. I think in your good matchups, there's not really a big difference. Picaram, Eternatus. I think the Chinchino version is slightly worse against ADPZ because you're a little bit less aggressive. And, and like the name of the game against ADPZ is just keep up you got to attack like every turn starting from turn two and i don't think this deck does that quite as often and the other so the other major difference is that the chinchino list does not play martial arts dojo which i think severely hampers your ability to compete with some of the other vmax decks like by two shotting them so like against victini vmax for example you want to do 106, you need to do 310. So you can do that with the Zigzagoon, right? But you could also do that with doing like 150 or 160 with the first attack and then follow it up with the, the G-Max attack with the Dojo and still getting the one shot. So I think that's a pretty big uh, difference as well. Yeah, I'm thinking too, just as a general talking point, maybe, maybe we can wait for this to a point in the discussion where we're talking just more specifically about matchups, but I'm just really trying to play out the ADP matchup in my head. And I, I, I can't quite solve it just because the math is just doesn't ever quite seem there. And obviously I would think that's where Zigzagoon comes in occasionally, but could you walk, what's your like strategy? You, you want to hit an ADP for 150 and then, and then what? Like, I'm just, I'm not quite sure. So generally you want to go, so the, the game gets, let me just say, the game gets really hard if they don't play the Denier Crobat down. It's very hard to win that. <laughs> but most of the time, they have to. So generally, you want to hit the first ADP, or hit the ADP for 150, 160 if you have a dojo. Then you want to use the, the second attack to do 120 to kill the ADP, and then 120 
to like, or ideally they'd have like a Dedenne on the board or two Dedenne on the board and you go like 120 on a Dedenne and then you can just win the game by bossing up the other Dedenne and doing 120 to that. Faster than you need to win most of the time. Usually you have one extra turn. So like you can do like uh, like one, you can do the 120 to Izashi and then you can follow it up with a 150 to knock it out. And then you can boss a Dedenne and, and do that. So I'd say that's generally the two, the two lines that you got to take. Yeah, that makes that sense. Make sense. I just do a lots of, and <clears throat> when I'm out of practice, I do have lots of brain fart moments and I forget that obviously it's like, how do I, how do I knock out the Dedenne's without having to hit them twice? And obviously you just hit one while it's active with the snipe right, attack. Right, right, right. I yeah, just, yeah, you know, yeah. that just hadn't clicked with me for embarrassing um, reasons, I suppose. Yeah. So like an ideal, like an ideal game goes, like you go first, they don't GX attack. You hit the ADP for 150. Turn two, you gust up a Dedenne, kill it and also kill the ADP like on the bench now you've already taken five prizes and they have just they have an even ultimate raid and then you just like two shot azashian or kill a dedene or something like that that's like the that's like the most ideal it doesn't happen that way most of the time the thing the thing that really sucks about the matchup is that you have to mawile is actually like really bad like re or really good against you because you almost never want to play like your dedenes or or, or crobats and so you just end up having them in your hand quite often, and it's pretty easy for them to mawile them down. Or at least I've found it. Mawile seems more effective against Urshifu than, than other decks. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess the I don't really have any clue on how you would interact with the single strike Urshifu. I could maybe see that not being great. I guess I do have, I guess let's talk about that next. So there's another deck I thought about as well. But how would that, yeah, how does, do you know, have any idea how that matchup goes? Is it just not worth it? Yeah, I've played a little bit. It seems like if if they draw well, the single strike draws well, it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just that's how it looks on paper to me. One thing I have noticed in the trend, the just results of the past week, I've, there's just been really an uptick of, not maybe a great one, but I've seen a lot more like Rillaboom. And I guess R Rillaboom has a good Urshifu matchup, right? I would have to assume so. Yeah, yeah. that's just, just that's the only they... thing. That's the only reason why I would think it's seeing any play right now is it's just, you know, it's kind of like we say. Like I mean, I guess the Mewtwo is kind of as much as other decks are countering it, just with weakness. But it's just like tangentially good against it. Like the Executor doesn't seem all that bad, and like Rillaboom, just the like the math is awkward at times, and you can heal and stuff with the Executor. Yeah, yeah, they can heal. Like the they. The, the Mimikyu is not foolproof against them because they play Malolana. So like even if you just like goon ping it, they can Malolana that damage off and then one shot you. So yeah, it's that's tough. Oh yeah, yeah. The other big difference is from the Chinchino list and the Jirachi list is Chinchino list does not play Jirachi GX. So they they just have the Mimikyu to deal with the Mewtwo stuff. But that probably that makes like your mad party matchup way worse. I, I assume I assume Mad Party is just unwinnable. With that list, yeah, yeah. I would think so. Yeah, and Mad Party's like not a terrible matchup for the if you play Jirachi GX. Like you just if you're if you're able to kill their Muse early on, you just are taking two or three prizes then every other turn. Yeah. Well and, and like 
like they could if they have like awkward hands and you're able to like take knockouts with strafe and like goon pings you could be like oh we're kind of like squeezing stuff out but mm-hmm. it's it just seems like if, if both players have you know kind of get what they want you're just gonna get smushed yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe they can leverage that Chinchino attacking well enough. Um, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, the question is, you know, can, how far can you get hitting for 40? And right. like, if, if they have, if they have like the wrong attackers, like, you know, each turn, you're like, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if they don't, then like, it's going to go bad. So, so I mean, you talked about the value of Jirachi. I mean, I recognize, the, the trade-off there is like the Cheryl, Phoebe, Mewtwo package. Any conclusions on that? I mean, is, is Cheryl, Phoebe, Mewtwo like the way people should play this? I don't think Phoebe's that good. I think your Luke Metal matchup is still pretty unfavored, even with Phoebe. It makes it like winnable. But I think like Phoebe is mostly useful actually against Decidueye, and I don't think Decidueye is actually all that good now. So I don't know. I don't really feel like it's worth it the Cheryl is a little more interesting because of the mirror match and the potential that it has there so I don't know I, I, I got a test more I'm really interested in testing the mirror match like Drachi version versus Drachi version and Chinchino versus Chinchino and the the crossover between them because I feel like there's lots and there's lots of lines of play that I'm not a necessarily aware of right now it yeah. seems like a pretty could be a pretty intricate mirror match i i like that you said that the lmc matchup doesn't get that much better uh, can in, in the same way Britt was asking can can you walk us through your thinking around that for a second because yeah no lie i bumped into that ladder and i got bodied yeah and <laughs> i recognize like for me the second they full metal wall and start slapping goggles down left and right i suddenly you know i i, I mean Britt, I know this is your move, but I'm like, I classic brain fart. I have absolutely no idea how much damage I'm doing on any given attack anymore. <laughs> like, it's random numbers. I hope if I attack enough, he dies. So a couple of things. The basic is a pretty good attacker in that matchup against the Zamazenta. So we're working on the assumption that they're going to be going for double Zamazenta, right? Maybe a, maybe a full metal wall into, into double Zamazenta. So you're going to have to deal with that. The basic is a pretty good attacker, you know, 150 for three. But Zamazenta discards your special energy. So you get maximum four of those attacks off in a game. They have Malolana. They're reducing 60 damage every attack. So that's not going to quite get you there. So the Phoebe does give you a chance because you know, you're allowed to then attack for 150. But it also takes up your supporter. So you can't like boss a Zamazenta and Phoebe and hit, which is pretty inconvenient. What else? Just Malalana is really hard to deal with in general. You're switching. Your switch cards are like super premium. Since you have to attack so many times, you're going to run out of switch in that matchup like pretty early on. And so you're like forced to balloon your guys. But they also have tool scrapper. So if they tool scrapper at the right time, like it's, I don't know. There's just like a lot of super awkward, like any Luke Metal versus anything. It's all about resources and conserving them and using them properly. And it's just really hard to do that while switching and like saving your Mewtwo's, you know, like your scoop ups or Phoebe over and over again. And it's just much easier for them to, to like replenish themselves with Intrepid Sword and hide behind dolls. And yeah, like it, it's just, it's really hard. Like, like when, yeah, when I tested against Decidueye, I was like, okay, I can see how you get there. 
I, I still found a way to bungle it because I didn't manage my resources quickly enough. And he found energy at every turn without fail, which mm. made me sad. But, and, and when you're playing the Machino build, they can just target down Machinos. And in that respect, it makes it uh, puts right. stress on you versus the, like the Jirachi build's a little bulkier. At least that's my impression, having never played it. But but uh, there you go. I, I was just sad every time a Chinchino died. So let's so let's talk about the the European build versus uh, your list. Any like top level reactions? I mean, we talked a little bit about them already. Like the dojo is is a huge difference not having the dojo because just your math can get a little more awkward. Like in the mirror, you can't ever one shot or two shot an Urshifu then but in the mirror if you do have dojo you can because if you go down you're doing 190 plus 150 that's enough so if you time your dojo right you can two shot a, a v max in the mirror but you don't have that option and it's a list that usually will go down so that's like another interesting aspect of it so one big difference is they, they play a lot more well, not a lot more, but they, they play the four capture energies and they've essentially cut three of the fighting energies for more capture energies. Any reaction to that, guys? I, I don't know. I felt like I felt like there were a lot of times when I didn't need the capture energy. Although when I had the capture energy turn one, I was like, well, this is a great way to get a Minchino out. Yeah. That's my impression too. They're so useless if they're not on the first turn. That's, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's basically uh, how it went, right? And like, like every once in a while, you were like, oh, "Okay, this will be that like second attachment, right?" Right. Able to like discard energy off the Vmax, right? Yeah, that's like the you get you get lucky and just accidentally get two of them in a row after attaching the fighting already. Like, sure, it's pretty good then too. But for the most part, I've I've had games where I, I've I've missed. Not a lot. It is a very, it's a consistent list. I think where the, the, where the deck loses is just in the construction of the deck. Like it's built to do very specific things. It, it, and it, it just, it, like we said, it scoops to Mad Party because it doesn't have Jirachi and so on. But yeah, I've, I've had a few games where I, I have a capture energy and not the fighting. Just... Yeah, some games come to that as well. Uh, how did you guys feel? So you, I, obviously they run two re- reset stamps. I think we see... Like a lot of the main list not running any reset stamp at all. You were running the one. Any, any opinions? I don't think, I don't know if there's something. I, I come back to this card a lot and I'm not constructing too many lists, but it's just so good. And I even seeing like, you know, ADP is really one of the only decks that just never seems to play it, but it, even still it does. It just, you know, like in the, I'm thinking of like the Senescorch list that like really just settled on one, even though for the most part, like, you know, that was always a, a kind of a big difference between Alex Shemansky's list and like Cash and Thomas Brophy's is that they eventually like cut the stamp for the great catcher. I think it ended up kind of being the final change in that list. And it's just like, the one is just too good not to play. Even if you play lots of discarding cards, I just like, I, I don't think I can force myself not to include it in a list right now. Like maybe mad party, like decks like that. Don't, I can see, you know, not really bothering with it, but just, Everything else is just so powerful. You can just win. You can just win so many games if you happen to have it at the right time, especially like an ADP when you play Skyla too. Like, I think I would definitely play it in 
and that's just kind of the thing. Whereas I think the Chinchino build maybe can justify playing two because it isn't nearly as aggressive. And so you're going to play both of them because you're the slower deck and you're going to be coming from behind in certain matchups. Whereas the other one like probably doesn't want to play two because it's more aggressive because it just like might disc with the two, you just end up discarding one and you just play one anyway. So why not just kind of roll the dice with it and save the spot? That's funny. I, Mike, I don't know if you have a reaction. Like, I was actually wondering if, if I would be willing to cut the second to put in another switch effect or or the martial arts dojo because, I mean, this deck, you, like, really control your discards, right? Like, it's all about, like, building hand size and just accumulating cards. Like, you're never going to research. You're rarely going to day-day. Like, I was like, you know, the times when I had two stamps in my hand, like, it was a fair number. I could probably get by with one. Yeah, I agree. I think like the argument part of the argument is you might use the one stamp as like trade fodder at some point. But yeah, I think you could probably drop to one. The other argument that I have for stamp is even in the Jirachi version is that this is a Marnie deck. Like Pikaram is a Marnie deck, Urshapu is a Marnie deck, Eternatus is a Marnie deck. I think those are the only, well, I guess Luke Metal is a Marnie deck as well. Any of these Marnie decks, I think, gains a lot more playing stamp than non-Marnie decks because you're already forcing their hand size lower a couple times per game just with the Marnies. And so they have to expend resources to get out of Marnies sometimes. And so by doing that later in the game, when you reset stamp them to, you know, even if it's three cards, two or three cards, the odds of them drawing out of it are significantly lower because you've forced them to try and get out of Marnie a couple of times. So I just think that's worth noting when thinking about putting reset stamp in a deck. And I think it's a good argument for why you would include it in, in any Urshifu list that's running a bunch of Marnies. Now, now their list was only running two Marnies compared to your list. And, and I right. assume most of that's because they feel pressure to play Bird Keeper every turn. So they're like, the turns that you can play Marnie are just... A little bit few and far between yeah yeah i almost like i kind of want to play research in that list like maybe just take out the marnies for researches because i find the games that i felt like were the hardest were when i was getting marnied and like maybe one maybe i only had one chinchino up and i got marnied on you know turn three and i'm like i drove four cards plus my draw i got to trade one time but i don't want to play this to dene down and i didn't draw a bird keeper so my hand's only like six cards and like i could get out the urshifu v max or i could get out another chinchino and it's just like if you're not holding on to your large hand it's much harder to to play that deck so having the option to even if it's like only one research that you can like mewtwo back i don't know that seems like something I, I i would want potentially having not played your list like i felt like there were a lot of times like i was not playing the day day like partly because i didn't want to like put the prizes down and partly because uh, i felt like my you're, you're i was just super jammed for bench space like yeah you, you got you're, you're trying to you're trying to set up two chinchinos you're trying to leave a spot for a mewtwo you're or a zigzagoon you have a jirachi out you have an urshifu out and then you're like, oh, like, that's the whole, that's everything. Like, you know, if I if I play this day day down, then I can't play Mewtwo's or Zigzagoon's after this. I'll be bench locked. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, is it is it like that with the Jirachi heavy list? 
it's, it's not quite as bad, but it's actually a big. It's a bigger effect than uh, than you might think, especially if you're playing U2. It's just like you have all of these guys that want to be useful with scoop up net, so you always feel bad discarding them. But and so sometimes you like depending on the matchup. Like if I'm playing against a Turnitus, for example, and I know they play weak energy, and I have a Giratina in my opening hand, but I have a and I have to Juniper. Like I have to play the Tina down. So I can scoop it up later, and it feels really bad to do that. But like you have to do it, and then it eats up a bench spot, and like eventually you'll scoop up it, but then it has to come back down. And yeah, so be- bench space is like a huge, a huge thing to think about as you're playing Urshifu in general. I saw Rahul when he was playing his Limitless event, whatever, like a week and a half ago. He lost a game to Peeker because he didn't leave a bench space open, got reset stamped, hit a quick ball but didn't get knocked out that turn. He just got paralyzed and couldn't quick ball for a Dedenne and ended up losing the game. So yeah, definitely. I think it is an issue even with the regular list. Yeah, yeah. What else should I ask about these? Oh, you know, the, the other thing I wanted to ask is, how do you guys feel about the Snorlax? Like, so they, they played like one Snorlax, one Jirachi. And I was like, I, under, I see what they're doing. It's like cute. I don't know if it was good. <laughs> I don't like it either. And equally, <laughs> equally, I just thought it kind of just thought it was like, you know, unnecessarily like splitting yourself. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what would be better, but yeah, I just feel it doesn't feel all that great. I don't know how often you really use the Snorlax. At least See, in my I, experience, I don't seem to go for it too often. I kind of, I kind of like it. I mean, I haven't played a bunch, but because of this. Kind of the same the same idea I was talking about, like your hand sizes, you play more ball search. So like your those cards are just expendable, especially in the early game. And sometimes it's nice to just be able to drop <coughs> drop to seven. Like I lost a game because I prized Snorlax, I remember. So I don't know. It's actually something I it's probably not as good in the Jirachi version, but it is I, I was thinking about like, could I just try Playing one in that, but it's probably not as good. I think it's. I, I like the Snorlax though. I think it's cool. I could. I could be convinced. How, how do you lose? Uh, what, how do you lose a game because you price Snorlax? <laughs> well, because I had capture energy, but not quick ball, so I couldn't quick ball for Dedenne, and I didn't have a supporter, and I captured and was going to get Snorlax to draw like five cards. And then I, but I was forced to get Jirachi then. And then Jirachi just didn't get me a supporter for two turns and I lost. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, uh, Britt, I don't know if you're, this was your experience, but like, I, I like pretty consistently got a Gormanda as turn one. And then after that, I was like, do I want to blow a scoop up net on this guy? Like, he's yeah. still in the bench spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that, was, that was that was my, 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 circumstances are often like such that i just like yeah i'm i'm scrapped trying to find these bird keepers and these switches every turn that i just feel like the snorlax i mean sometimes you really do need this setup and sometimes you get those perfect hands where it's just like you have the switching effect already and then like three level balls and you draw five or six cards no problem but yeah i just like awkwardly yeah i'm bench limited then and then when also by using the net i'm just thereby have one less switching option and again just like if you would 
are struggling to hit the bird keepers, you just have to really be conservative with them too. So yeah, maybe the answer is just like the reset stance. What I was trying to explain earlier was why I just thought it was logical for the Chinchino to play two and the other version to play one. I, I think you could definitely cut one for sure. Um, and do things just always, even, even in the Jirachi version, I just often feel like I need more switches or just want more. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I guess like one of the weird things that when I think about my like Snorlax experience, I think about, I, I contrast it with the Jirachi experience, the Jirachi experience. There were definitely moments where I was like, man, I miss uh, uh, skateboards. <laughs> Like yeah. sometimes it's awkward to be like, I mean, if you put, if you play the karate belt, then you're going to have to bird keeper to switch that Urshifu to the bench. But then if you, if you switch into Jirachi and you sell her wish, like you're stuck for a turn, unless you got a scoop up in hand. That's be nice. If I had another switch effect there, I feel like, I don't know. I did feel like the, the Snorlax, I don't know if you guys, how frequently you guys use the uh, hit and run attack like turn one hit and running into the Snorlax is like, you're like, well, this is a bulky one prizer. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I mean, uh, Strafe's pretty, Strafe's pretty good attack. I use it. I've used a lot in the Jirachi version for sure. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a, again, it's a little bit harder to pull off in the Chinchino one just cause you play less fightings. So you don't get it quite as often in the early game. The other thing with the less fightings, by the way, is that, you can't even play dojo, right? Like playing dojo doesn't even make sense because you only play two fightings. Mm -hmm. And conversely, you don't really get the bonus effect in the mirror match if they play down the dojo. So like it's weird because you're probably going to go down in the mirror match. So you want to take advantage of dojo so you can help two shot their VMAX, but you only have the two fightings, So you don't get it all that often. So I don't know. It's a strange dynamic. I think maybe there's like some other split of energy maybe like two captures and four fightings or something that was exactly what i was about to say is i wonder if you cut cut half the captures because you, you don't get great value out of them yeah i, mean, I wonder what it'd be like to just play like without the i mean i recognize when you get a capture energy turn one it's freaking great yeah <laughs> but but like you could you you know you essentially if you just played the same energy line that the other decks are playing like you essentially get two cards back now, man, I, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the European contingent has like they came to the conclusion they came to for a reason. Yeah, that's why I kind of like I just want to keep playing this list a little bit just to understand it better before I start making changes. Yeah, because I do trust that <laughs> they made a lot of these choices intentionally. <laughs> so what what other questions should I be asking, guys? Uh, is there is there stuff that you're thinking about when you think about this list? I mean, I'm not thinking about anything too particularly anymore. I think we've kind of hit it all. The only kind of on my mind, topic on my mind that we haven't hit is just like the fire decks. And I just like, you know, Victini, I'm trying to remember where it fell on Azul's power list from this week. But at, on the initial release of the set, you know, the hype was fairly high for the card. And I do think that Victini has, you know, maybe will be okay. I, I don't think the format is, is solved or anything like that, even if Urshifu is the best deck when all things are said and done. But I guess, like, is Sendoscorch just dead then is my main question. Like, mm. can it just really not compete anymore with Urshifu? Like, it seems like I understand the matchup and, like, on paper, it 
it seems difficult for sure. But like with the Mew, and I know I, I feel like I saw right when the the set came out, people were trying Mew and Senna Scorch. Like I think just over the Bird Keeper, like it was a pretty easy fix. Or like maybe you could cut the Fion or something even, since it would have to be like a a bench Pokemon. But yeah, two questions there, I guess. How's your fire matchup for either of these decks? And then is Senna Scorch just done? I think the fire matchup is slightly unfavored. All the fire versions are slightly unfavored if they play Mew and slightly favored if they don't play Mew. Victini, you just got to avoid them going first and getting boss KO. And then I think you're in a fine spot. The Tempozard matchup, if they play Mew, is a little dicier because they'll usually go Reshazard. And you want to go like 150 plus 120 on the Reshazard, but if they have Mew, that makes it a little bit harder to do that. So you got to take out the Mew first. I think it's all pretty close though. And then Scorch. Centiscorch is really weird because like if they get... I, I played against a Centiscorch on ladder the, 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 like yesterday and they went second, Weldered to a Centiscorch, Volcanion did up to five energies, turn two, Welder onto Centiscorch, and now they're one-shotting my VMAXs on turn two. And uh, you can't beat that. <laughs> that's in, so like if they get that if they get you know the whatever seven eight they need eight energies to one shot if they get that up before you're able to hit that center scorch you automatically lose the game that's center scorch things right like yeah pokemon so big and like so reaping the benefits of welder that it cannot be uh stopped yeah but if they don't do that if you're able to hit the center scorch before they they build up this huge one then yeah it's usually pretty fine because they have to they like have to play the dene and you're able usually to kill a drachi or a volcanion so it's usually a pretty simple six prizes i guess just in general that kind of reminds me just the general one really broad thing that urshifu has going for it is that it's pretty easy for the deck to only take six prizes Sometimes you're forced to take seven, whereas a lot of other decks are forced to take seven or eight prizes, essentially. And there's a lot of wasted damage, and Urshifu doesn't have a lot of wasted damage with its spread attacks and its ability to kind of choose where the damage goes quite often. So that I think that's part of the reason that it is such a strong deck. It's more efficient in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, I, I know on this pod we've been historically dismissive of the like Mewtwo Welder decks, and, and yet one won the Sunday Open on uh, Sunday. Uh, essentially, probably because most of the you know, I guess the most popular deck was Rapid Strike Urshifu. And, and I think to your point, Britt, they they I think Cash said the Mew Rillaboom had the highest win rate of any deck at the tournament. Do we feel differently about Mew Welder here? No, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I have my initial take to that list. I, I put it in a group chat. <clears throat> I think that, that Mikey and a bunch of people were into prep for the first part of the Players Cup, but it's just like, it It looks like fun. Like, it looks like a whole lot of fun, but it doesn't seem, it doesn't strike me as being great. Like, I just look at the list, the, the list that won, and just like, how could this possibly beat Pikachu? Like it was just, it was just my initial take and maybe we're just moving to a format where that's fine. And it's kind of just ends up being a rock, paper, scissors metagame. Maybe that's just where we're progressing, but I just think it, that was, it's just a really good metagame call. People were all high on the deck. Like, I just don't see it. It's not all that good against just like in many of the other decks, like Eternatus is bad. 
you, you play so many special energy any deck with giratina is gonna run you over like maybe even urshifu dragapult would beat you because dragapult is very good against mewtwo that's that's my take i don't see it see it being anything but a counter yeah and like it is a counter because you can build up a mewtwo in one turn but like the mimikyu is still very very good if they play mimikyu and jirachi which then it, i think it's still like it like it's a hard matchup for a and probably unfavored but it's not like it's not like 80 20 or anything yeah I, I don't know i still i just don't like the deck in general i mean do you have to have the jirachi gx to keep it from being 80 20 or like is there ability to essentially like welder power up a mewtwo out of nowhere and smack you just like I just don't, I mean, does the Mimikyu-Zigzagoon combo get you where you need to in that matchup? Or do you need the Jirachi to, like... Yeah, I'm not too sure. I do think, well, so in that matchup, the Jirachi is also susceptible to their own Zigzagoon, because they can Zigzagoon your Jirachi, and then your Mimikyu is shutting off your own Jirachi. (laughs) Right. So I think that's part of the trouble with it as well. So maybe Jirachi GX doesn't really even do that much. Well, it's another piece they need. Ah, yeah, I, it's it's uh, hard for me to tell how that works out. I I obviously need to play some games with it to actually understand what the heck is going on. <laughs> but I, I guess I, I just always have this like fear of. I mean, the only situation where I feel like I've really gotten good value out of the Mimikyu is like when the guy puts down an Oricorio. I'm like, no, you will not do that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 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 main the main matchup the Mimikyu is good in is the Picaram matchup. They don't really have a way to deal with that. We could see Picaram start adjusting and playing like Stealthy Hoods. But I think the only way you're fitting Stealthy Hood is if you drop some of your Hammer package, which is maybe okay because Eternatus is not being played as much. Then your ADP matchup gets a little sketchier too. So I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see if... I assume Picaram will adapt somehow. I don't know if I'll be the one adapting it this time, but I'm sure, I'm sure it will. So Britt... It sounds like it sounds like Mike is going to spend some more time testing the the Chinchino build. How about you? Are you like what's your focus and like do you do you have any predictions for Brit over the next week from a like testing perspective? No, I'm still kind of just a little too busy. It's basically like finals week is the first week of May, but this is this is like defense week. So this is I will feel done after this week. Final finals are I just kind of finish writing some papers. So I don't I don't have any immediate plans to jump back in, but I th- I think the Chinchino list is what I want to spend more time on, but I, I, I would like to address basically everything we've said in this episode. I think we've hit quite a few, you know, kinks in the armor or what have you. I would like to make it more Marnie proof. Yeah, I was trying to, trying to find <laughs> the right word. I don't know if that's possible without a more, you know, a stronger commitment to like more aggressive draw options. I'm not, I'm not sure how, if that's maybe a solvable issue. It seems like maybe a bullet you just have to bite when you're committing to Chinchino. But I really like the Chinchino and do think there's a merit continuing it. And like the, the Drachi build really seems kind of solved to me. Like it's 57, 58 cards, no matter what. And after that, there's a few options you can consider. And maybe as the metagame progresses, there will be a few other options that we'll start considering. But for the most part, like, what's wrong with Mikey's list? It's got it all. It's got four research, four Marnie. That's, that's what I look for in a list. It's why Picaram's so good. And then after that, like, maybe you don't play the great catcher. Maybe you play an extra stamp, like... 
can't really think of anything like maybe in, in Polion, if we get to this point, like Mikey said, if Fire Deck finds a more stable footing in the metagame and is always playing Mew, like maybe you have to play Empoleon or something like that. I'm not sure. But I think either version are definitely just the only... I, like, I want to learn to play the mirror. Like, so part of my problem in PC3 is that I... I wasn't comfortable enough playing the peek around mirror until maybe it was a, a little too late. And so if I'm, if I'm going to play this deck for PC four, I, I need to learn it as well as learning the mirror. Yeah. I, I, I think I mean, as evidenced, I think by the discussion of this podcast, like I, I feel like when I saw Pedro walk through the list, I was so excited about it. I went and got some cards. Holy cannoli. Yeah. I mean, Zoropod is uh, everybody's favorite deck. Russell uh, Lepar might unretire. <laughs> who, who wouldn't want to play, uh, you know, Zoropod decks all day long? Zoropod's uh, the best deck ever. That was my reaction. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's certainly fun. It's definitely fun to to play <coughs> this deck, and I think that might be a good way to kind of like go into the conclusion of of the episode. Britt, I know you mentioned uh, Azul's reply tweet from yesterday so do you want to you want to say what that was oh yeah i mean my brent had his submission for our on fire tweet of the week already but i thought i even i don't even remember he was he was responding to a tweet wasn't he mm-hmm. or no someone responded to him i think no, any... also i i think the original tweet was like is the battle styles format already, already stale, stale or something yeah. like that yeah 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 and his, his oh, response yeah, yeah, is yeah, just yeah. like if you think it's stale you probably just don't like pokemon and that's just like what we say or we say on here so often. And I say people just like theorize and theorize and theorize on how to make their, their card game perfect. But what they want is chess. Like what, 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 you, what you're envisioning for a card game is no longer a card game anymore. And so just like similarly, like there are other options out there. You might Pokemon just might not be the game for you. But yeah, I, I think similarly, like even if Urshifu is just the best deck, I don't think that that closes the book on the chapter of the format or what have you. Yeah, there's there's just it'll always progress. It'll always be something more to it, even if it's just minor developments. There's more to say. Yeah, I like. I think it and I think like that, that's it's I kind of wanted to segue to that and then to the end, because like, I think there's a lot to learn about how to play this format still. If like even if Urshu is the best deck, like it's a pretty intricate deck to play. I've been playing it a lot and I still don't feel like I'm playing it anywhere near to optimally. So I think there's a lot to learn. And I do think the format with everyone kind of recognizing now that Urshifu is the best deck, I think there's we're going to start going through a bunch of metagame cycles now because there's a lot of good decks. And so like, you know, Urshifu has kind of pushed out Eternatus and Pikaram as the best decks, but maybe the decks that we find that beat Urshifu are going to lose to Pikaram and Eternatus. And so maybe those will come back. And then, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have cycles for sure in this format. And so I'm kind of excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. I felt like when I looked at the limitless results for this past weekend and the fact that there were two mad parties in the top eight and there were like two, three, two Mewtwo decks in, in the top eight, I was like, this is just indicative of, like hard countering Urshifu is a viable strategy to get good outcomes right now. Mm-hmm. But but like all that means is the Urshifu people are going back into the lab, right? right. Mm-hmm. Like like that, you know, 
that this deck feels good enough that like that's not going to fix. It's not just like oh, a new Mad Party meta problem will solve forever. Right. Urshfu gets chased out by the fact that Mad Party's so good. That's not the case. Anything else we should talk about, guys? I feel like there was probably other stuff, but probably. But we uh, some so new long. new cards, new set coming out. I think I don't remember if we talked about any of that, but maybe next week. Yeah. All right, we'll have Britt make a list next week. New set. Back in the labs. Any secret uh, super big plot twist ideas for evolving your shifu? I mean, maybe just. I guess <laughs> yeah. that's that, where we cut the pot off, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I thought that was maybe it, but I couldn't tell. So 